0: deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome welcome to Utopia. Talk. Hey
1: everyone, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. I hope you had a wonderful Independence Day holiday. We appreciate you tuning in here, as always on the podcast, clicking that uh, subscribe button on your Odyssey app or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Um, we appreciate that, certainly, as we head towards the 2023 NFL season, which should, here in Houston, be a whole lot more fun than the last couple seasons, for sure. As we welcome you in, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Pain and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing? If I were any better, it'd be illegal. Nice. I like that, John. I like it a lot. Um we did the offense last uh, last time, John. Earlier this week, we did a preview of the Texans' offense, in what I hope is a nice, easy, consumable style for people. Most important players, Achilles' heel, secret weapon, biggest question, all that to get people ready for training camp. You ready to break down the defense similarly, my friend? Let's do it. All right, let's break it down. The four most important players and. John and I are going to do this kind of dueling piano style like we always do. Uh, And as always, the honor goes to you. John, you're the one in the Hall of Fame, not me. So the honor goes to you to uh, let's do our our four horsemen of the defense here, if you will, the four most important players defensively for the Houston Texans. Who's number one for you?
2: Will Anderson Jr. There's a reason he was the third pick. There's a reason they paid dearly to get him. They have to have a better pass rush. They have not had anybody in double-digit sacks since J.J. Watt had 16 in 2018. Anderson has got to become a big-time threat off the edge. I think it's a mistake to put him inside. He get doubled. He get banged on by double teams by guards and centers who are so much stockier than he is. Keep him outside. Let him fly off the edge like he did at Alabama. Because it doesn't matter what the secondary does if they can't pressure the quarterback.
1: All right John over under nine and a half sacks for Will Anderson. What do you what are you taking? I'm gonna say over you think you, you think the first time in five seasons the Texans have a double digit sack artist
2: defensive
1: rookie of the year. Okay, so you like that too, huh? Plus three fifty. You're you're throwing some down on that. Does Carol know this, John? That you've got a gambling problem all of a sudden?
2: Yeah, she did. She's got the gambling problem. So if I develop one, <laughs> she'll understand.
1: You can just blame it on her. She yeah. coughed on you or something like that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, so we're doing the four most important players on defense. John took a great one right there. Um, Will Will Anderson. <laughs> um john i'm gonna go Derek stingley jr the other the other third overall pick that they've got on the defense anderson third overall pick in 2023 stingley jr third overall pick in 2022 all the reports from everybody out of camp have been that Derek stingley jr looks like he's been living in the weight room lately but not in a way that's constricting him or affecting him negatively at all just he looks like a pro he looks ready to go um health is the big thing for Derek stingley jr and uh and I, I, I'm very, very anxious to see him in this defense. You know, I'm anxious to see him do some of the things that we all hoped we'd get to see him do when he was drafted by the Texans. You know, use him like use him like you just drafted a cornerback with a third overall pick.
2: Use him the way the Jets used Sauce Gardner and helped him be NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, and he played great. And that's the way Stingley should be used. But Stingley got off to a slow start he wasn't ready in camp, he had that foot injury. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He hadn't been healthy no. since his freshman year, in which he was the best cornerback in the country. And everybody said that kid could play in the NFL right now. We want to see it. Now, I'm tempted to say another pass rusher, important. Jonathan Grenard, last year of his contract, another guy that hadn't been able to stay healthy. But he had eight sacks two years ago and led the team so he showed he can do it. It's the last year of that contract. And you know, Sean, with that money out there, players tend to stay healthy. But I can't stay away from picking uh Jalen Petrie. So <laughs> Jalen Petrie was the best rookie last year. I know the coaches love him. I think he's gonna have a tremendous season. His flaws last year were bad angles, caused him to miss tackles. He he fixed it late in the year, so I've got to say Jalen Petrie.
1: Boy, so, John, when you look at this so far, the four most important players, you picked Will Anderson. I picked Stingley Jr. I think Petrie's a great one. That's a really good pick. Um, to me, it comes down to comes down to two players and then just something conceptually that I'm struggling with. The thing I'm struggling with conceptually is there's a good chance we come away from this, and there's no linebackers. In a defensive scheme where the linebackers are super important, there's no linebacker that I think we can settle on here. If I had to pick one, it would be Christian Harris probably just because of the potential and what he showed last year as the year went on. He seemed to get better as the year went on. The two players I'm struggling with are Jimmy Ward and Malik Collins, and I think I'm going to go with Malik Collins just so we've got somebody in that interior of the defensive line. Look, they need to get better at stopping the run, and that begins with – Begins up front, you know. Nick Casario says that we build this team inside out, and I think they showed that with some of the extensions they did on the offensive line with Tunsil and Mason, and the extension they did on the defensive line with Malik Collins just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's a guy, obviously, that Nick Casario really likes. This is the second contract extension, you know, second. I guess third contract overall, second contract extension that they've given to Malik Collins. So there's something there, and I'm guessing the timing to me of the contract extension with Collins this offseason tells me that D'Amico Ryans really probably likes him as well, some of the things that he's seen and whatnot. So I'm going to go Malik Collins as my fourth guy. That's a
2: good one. Lovey Smith, loved him too. He's not a pass rusher, and their run defense has been worst in the league by far. But whatever he's doing, the coaches like it. Yep, And he was all through the offseason program. He's a quiet leader. He's not a vocal leader. But they got to get somebody to play next to him. Sheldon Rankin, Son Ridgeway, Thomas Booker, Roy Lopez. They have to improve up front. And those linebackers play a big role in stopping the run.
1: All right, John, next thing. So we got our foremost important, Will Anderson, Derek Stingley Jr., Jalen Petrie, Malik Collins. I like that foursome right there. All right, John, uh, Achilles heel for this defense, a defense that is looking to improve greatly over its performance the last few (laughs) years.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
2: I feel bad taking this from you because I know that you would say the same thing. And that is the run defense, mm-hmm. which is the worst in the NFL by far. Give up 170 yards a game rushing. They were terrible. And it starts up front. You know, the, the I believe the 49ers stopped the run were first or second best. And unless D'Amico wants to suit up and pick up where he left off when he was playing for the Texans. I don't know how they can, just all of a sudden snap their fingers and be better. I would just – I don't, they don't have to be in the top half. They don't have to be in the top ten. If they would just be somewhere in the, the bottom ten, would be better than they have been. They haven't had a great run defense since 2018 when they gave up 83 yards a game. Isn't that hard to believe they were actually great against the run at one point? But if they don't stop them up front with a run –
1: then they're just spinning their wheels. I got some numbers for you, John. So the Texans gave up nearly 2,900 yards rushing last year, which is one of the worst totals in league history. Now, 17-game season, so that factors in a little bit, but it's still really, really bad. The Yes, the Niners were second in yards allowed rushing, just over 1,300 yards. I mean, think about that difference, John. 2,900 <laughs> yards and 1,300 yards allowed wow. rushing. And – I mean that is insane when you think about it. Just totally in general like with would, would, no you know no nuance to this or anything like well if this or if that let's just say for the for the sake of argument they split the difference. D'Amico's able to split the difference between what he had in San Francisco and what he's been dealt here in Houston. That's about 2100 yards or so. That would put the Texans around like 19th or 20th in rushing yards allowed. I would take that. That's that's where I was going with it, John. I would take that. I would take splitting the difference between those two. That'd be a big jump up in improvement in year year one with D'Amico Ryans. Um, One
2: thing to keep in mind when it comes to the run, if the running game with Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary helps control the ball, if the offense moves the ball and scores points, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but 49ers had a lot of leads. Yes. So when you get a lot of leads, you don't run the ball. So there's some things that have to happen on offense to help out the run defense.
1: Yeah, it's more than just blocking and tackling. You're absolutely right. There, There's there, there's game flow issues for the Texans as well. Um, that would have been mine. I'll throw one other one in here, John, just in looking at the depth chart the last couple of days. Um, the safety depth for me is one of them. There's a big drop-off after the top two safeties on this team. I'm with you. I think Petrie is going to be a Pro Bowl level player for this team. Jimmy Ward is a guy who's been in the top 100 before, uh, the you know, the NFL top 100 players uh, before. And I think he's a guy that's very well respected, a, p- a plus player. You know, he's he's not just some guy that bringing in because he was a good leader, but he stinks at football. He can still make plays, Jimmy Ward. After that, John, the next couple of safeties on the roster are, are – uh, uh, is it M.J. Stewart? M.J. Uh,
2: Stewart and Eric Murray.
1: Eric Murray are the next two. I mean, Eric Murray Eric Murray has already gone way over the total of how long I thought he would be a, a Houston Texan um, when they sign him. So um, that's a concern to me. If one of these safeties goes out, then you're talking about M.J. Stewart and Eric Murray all of a sudden becoming guys that are playing possibly 50 or 60 snaps a game for you. So that, that's a concern to me.
2: Jimmy Ward had a great season in coverage playing in nickel playing inside last year, and uh, uh, pro football focus has Tavier Thomas had him number four among slot corners last season in coverage, and he had more snaps inside than any of the other top nine. And so they do have some talent back there, but so much of that starts with the pass rush. But I think I look for Jimmy Ward to have a profound effect on not just the Jalen Petrie, but the secondary in general, like he's another coach. And he certainly knows D'Amico's defense better than anybody.
1: Yep. All right. So those are our Achilles heels, John. Let's go to the next category, a more fun category, secret weapon. Who is your defensive secret weapon right now?
2: You mentioned this guy's name earlier, Christian Harris, second year linebacker, another Alabama kid. He was hurt last year in training camp, got off to a slow start, seemed to pick it up over the second half of the season. D'Amico's linebackers, if you're 230, you're almost overweight. He just doesn't have heavy linebackers. He wants them to run. They got to be able to have speed, they got to chase, they got to cover. And Harris at 228 seems to be ideal what Ryans and Matt Burke, the new defensive coordinator, want in their linebackers,
1: I think we're going to see him make a lot of plays. Um, I'm going to stick with that same position group, John, and and just build off of what you said. I'm going to go a little deeper on this. This is a top, top secret weapon, like double secret weapon, but Henry Toa Toa, the rookie linebacker. Great one. Rookie linebacker out of Alabama, Christian Harris's best friend. Uh, from out, literally his best friend from Alabama. Um, and a guy who Nick Casario on Payne and Pendergast, when Nick was on with Seth and I a couple weeks ago, volunteered the to name Toa Toa as a rookie who's really shown good things during the offseason program. We didn't ask, How's Henry Toa Toa doing? The question was actually about Will Anderson. And he volunteered Toa Toa and gushed for a minute about things that I know D'Amico values in terms of play recognition and reading things and just the overall. IQ and acumen those are the types of things that can get a fifth round pick onto the field that if you're able to read things you look faster when you know what's going on Ted Johnson always used to say that that he always looked faster by his 10th year in the league because he knew what play was coming toe-toe is a guy who's already who's already getting accolades like that from these coaches so um secret probably with the Capital big font with Henry Toa Toa as far as the rest of the league is concerned, but you and I both know from covering this team, they really like what they've seen so far out of him.
2: That's a great one. Uh, I think they're going to have three starters from Alabama in their front seven, Anderson, Harrison, and Toa Toa. Is it Toa Toa? Toa Toa. uh, Boy, I have. Hard time spelling it. he got four O's and three apostrophes. <laughs> I wish I could just call him Henry. And him being available in the fifth round and Xavier Hutchinson being available in the sixth round are huge mysteries to me. And both those could pay huge dividends.
1: Yep. All right, John, last one before we get out of here. Biggest question for the Texans defensively in 2023.
2: Starts up front, the pass rush. You know, we've already talked about the run defense. But, of course, the biggest question is going to be stopping the run. But they got to get a pass rush. You know, Jerry Hughes is going to be 35. You don't know if he can get nine sacks like he did last year. Jonathan Grenard's been hurt too much. You need him to be healthy. You need – if he plays the way he played rushing the passer – two years ago when Jerry Hughes does it like last season, and then you get Well Anderson Jr., they could have a very strong pass rush. But everything starts up front.
1: I think, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Everything starts up front, and they've got to be able to get after some of these quarterbacks that they go against this year. Along those – similarly, John, like I – my biggest question is can the defensive pieces – that they spent such high draft capital on in 2022. I'm not talking about Anderson this year. I'm talking about the guys last year, Stingley, Petrie, Harris, first round, second round, third round, all out of big schools. You know what I mean? You know, out of big football schools. Uh, LSU doesn't get any bigger than Baylor, John. Sick them. <laughs> and then Alabama. And then they, yeah, you got Baylor, and then you got LSU and Alabama to go along with the Baylor guy. But in all seriousness, like guys who – guys who had huge accolades coming out that I think when you look at the, where they were drafted, that they moved up to go get Christian Harris, you know um, that they use such high draft capital on Stingley and Petrie. This defense is going to need to take a big step forward. And can those pieces they drafted in 2022, by the time we're done with 2023, I mean, those guys are going to be halfway through their rookie deals by the time we're done with the season next year. Are they at each level of the defense, you know, well, I I guess nobody, none of those guys are in the D-line, but are they, are they, are they locking down their positions on this defense and providing a foundation for this team to go with Will Anderson eventually and guys like that?
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: Probably can he be healthy for the first time since his freshman year at LSU?
1: Yep. And if
2: what if he doesn't? What if he misses five or six games again with nagging injuries? Then, and, and say Petrie takes the next step, we think he will, and get on a pro bowl level. What does the people – boy, Stingley's going to get a lot of criticism. Casario will get a lot of criticism for taking him over – sauce Gardner, but uh, it'd be great if Stanley just stays healthy because we know he's talented yeah. and we know they'll do a better job of utilization and that has a lot to do it because last year they didn't play to his strengths they didn't coach to his strengths let me put it like that Yep.
1: Yeah. i'm anxious too john just to put a bow on this in terms of biggest question and this is probably more of a global team thing than just offense and defense but i think defense in particular because that's what he coached in san francisco and that's where his heritage is on that side of the ball. But is there a D'Amico Ryan's effect? You know, like, is there is there an effect that we see tangibly where a guy who we thought was going to be something, you know, along the defensive line is 20 to 25% better than that because he's getting coached by D'Amico? I think there's a lot of guys on that defense in San Francisco that that were – significantly better players because of D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, they're low draft choices, a linebacker and a secondary.
2: I got another category, and you go first. What are we confident in going into training camp? One thing you do and one thing I'll do. That we get not counting Stroud, uh, but just overall, what are we confident
1: in? Okay. Do you want to go first since this is your category here? You can go first. Okay. Um, I'm really confident in the offensive line. I, I'm I'm confident that that this t- this will be a, a plus offensive line in terms of protecting C.J. Stroud and in this offense running the football. I I think you know the the, the, the veteran aspect of it uh, bringing in Shaq Mason I think really shores up the interior. I'm nervous about Kenyon Green improving in year two, and I'm certainly nervous about a rookie center. But I feel like the offensive line the offensive line is being billed as being one of the stalwart groups on this team. And so I do feel confident about that going into training camp.
2: I was confident in it last year when they had Tunzel, number one pick at uh, left guard. They had Justin Brent, who's healthy at center. And then A.J. Can who'd come with the offensive line coach from Jacksonville, and the yeah. Titus at right tackle. And then it turned out to be a disappointment, not the tackles. As you mentioned earlier, the interior. I'm most confident in the special teams. Frank mm. Ross's special teams. They were best in the NFL last year. They've got their top guys back. They got the best snapper in history, John Weeks, a terrific punter and kicker, and Cam Johnston and Kaimi Fairbairn. They've got several guys that can return. I'm assuming Tank Dell will be the punt returner. Can't wait to see him do that. And Frank Ross is a good coach. He's a good coordinator. I've had several people whisper to me that they think Frank Ross can be a head coach. And I'm like, well, what? And then they remind me who was the Eagles special teams coach. Andy Reid promoted him a lot. John Harbaugh, and he hadn't been too shabby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to ask, has, has Frank Ross, I was thinking about that last week too, John. Like I was watching some of the Texans in-house videos and whatnot. And Frank Ross is always a guy who I think presents very well. Uh, you know, he's he's got a, I think he's got a, a charisma and a personality about him. Has he ever been asked that you know of about becoming a head coach someday? He's never
2: been asked. I'll tell you what, next time he's available, I'll ask him. I know what he'll say. Frank is great and uh, he won't overly he won't overly praise his people. And I want to say, I want to grab him by the shirt and say, Frank, just tell the truth for a change. You guys are playing great. Just admit you're playing great. And, of course, he wants to be a head coach. I asked Lovey Smith if he wanted to be a head coach again at his news conference. And he told me, he kind of talked around it, so it's not up to me. He told me later, he said, wow, of course I do. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. <laughs> but they do think over there Frank Ross has that kind of potential.
1: I, I tend to agree just from what little I know, you know, I'll ask him. him. Yeah. Put it on the list, John. All right. Um, so that's it. So that's our defensive preview right there. We got you covered on the offense earlier this week. We got defense now. Next week's episodes will also con- include some more previews of the uh, of the Texans training camp battles for this team as well as some discussion about the coaching staff as well as we get you ready for uh, for training camp, which begins on July 25th, I think, right, John? They're in the building, and then 26th, I think they, they start smacking each other around, I'm pretty sure. First
2: day the media can go out and do interviews is July 26th.
1: Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, that's the Hall of Famer, John McClain. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Of course, big thanks to James Jackson, our, for, our producer, for getting this out to each and every one of you. A reminder to... Hit the subscribe button. That's how you get the podcast. Easily sent to you. You don't have to think about it or search us. Just shows up right there, spoon fed to you, as it should be, as the football season is almost upon us. A reminder to our email address. If you want to email a mailbag question, we'll be starting the mailbags up as we get closer to training camp as well. We read all the questions, we save the good ones, and we try to ask as many as we can of John and myself. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. That's hou mailbag. At gmail.com. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, and our producer, James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Utopia Football Podcast.